0: Well, we are starting a new message series this morning and it goes with the all-church campaign that we're doing in our small groups and the messages that go with that are um, a part of that. Rick Warren, the pastor at Saddleback Church in California, is encouraging the pastors to preach the sermons that he provides. Rick uh, preaches about an hour and 30 minutes a week, so... I've just taken his outline and shortened it down greatly for, for your sake. But he does have this gift of kind of capturing the, um, these memorable phrases so that the things are really easy for us to take in and memorize so, uh, and remember. So I'll use some of those as well. And I'm looking forward to this series. It's on mercy, and mercy is something that's very needed in our world today. And as we'll see in this series, it's something that God wants for us as well. We're going to start this series with this idea that because of God's mercy, uh, He can use anybody. Because of God's mercy, uh, we are all useful to God and useful for His purposes on earth. And I feel like uh, we've talked about this quite a bit lately, but this is really there's really nothing like uh, being used by God for a purpose that's bigger than yourself. That if you can uh, see a need around you in the world or in the church and recognize that need and respond to it and get involved, you'll experience a joy and a satisfaction that there's really nothing like it to to just uh, be able to realize this is why I'm here right now for this time uh, and for this purpose. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Right. There's a reward before the reward. And if you look with me at Romans uh, chapter 6, verse 13, it says, Give yourself to God as those who have been brought from death to life and surrender your whole being to him to be used for righteous purposes. And that's really the motivation for giving ourselves fully to God is that we've been, be- been brought from death to life. And that God, Jesus gave his life for us, so we should give our life for him. And I think most of us get that, but then we have the couple of hang-ups, a couple of barriers that keep us from really living into it. And the the primary two are that we either convince ourselves that we're disqualified or that we're unqualified. And don't raise your hand, you don't even have to nod, but does anybody have anything in your past that you feel like it just disqualifies you from being used by God? Sometimes we feel disqualified. Hey, you know, I know my past, I know the mistakes I've made, or, or maybe it's something like, you know, I didn't even graduate high school. There's all these excuses or reasons that we think that there's no way God can use us. We can convince ourselves that um, we're not in the running, we're disqualified. And then secondly, we can convince ourselves that we're unqualified. Uh, sure, God can use that person. Uh, God, You know, they've got so many administrative gifts or, or whatever it is, and God can bless that person, but he's never really going to do anything significant through me. You can either feel disqualified or unqualified. And the good news is that that's just not so. That's not what we see in Scripture. And to make sure that we know... That God can use anybody. He picked the most unlikely guy to do some unforgettable kingdom work. And when you look at the life of the Apostle Paul, and we see that neither of these fears holds any water, they're just not true. God wants to use every person in ways that you can't imagine. And the Apostle Paul um, had this vision he was going to go where no one else had gone and bring the gospel to people who had never heard it before. He was an amazing guy. He wrote about half of the New Testament. He planted churches. It would be very difficult to find anybody else who you could say God used more than uh, he used the Apostle Paul. And yet, if you look at Paul's past, his record, uh, we would have written him off as anybody that God would want to have anything to do with. And, And Paul knows about being used by God. So in 2 Corinthians 4, Paul gives us four secrets or four essentials to being used by God. And if you want to pull out your message notes, we're going to look kind of carefully at chapter 4, 2 Corinthians, and um, pull out some of the principles from that. The first uh, principle, if you're writing these down, is the first essential to being used by God, is never forget you are useful because God is merciful. You are useful because God is merciful. Merciful, uh, God can use anybody. He, he is full of mercy. And um, so I want to start by explaining a little bit about what we're talking about when we talk about mercy. I want to use the definition that Rick Warren gives in the study so that we're all on the same page. And that is that mercy is undeserved forgiveness and unearned kindness. Mercy is undeserved forgiveness and unearned kindness. So when somebody forgives you, you don't deserve it, that's mercy. When someone shows a kindness to you and there's no way you can pay them back for that, that's mercy. Uh, everything God does through you to make a contribution to the world, uh, he does by mercy. And uh, we see in 2 Corinthians 4.1, Paul says, God in his mercy has given us this work to do. And so we're not discouraged. God in his mercy. And here's why Paul says that this is in God's mercy that they were given work to do. It, do you know what Paul was before he was a church planner and a preacher? He, he was like an anti-Christian terrorist. <laughs> uh, he was the exact opposite of what you'd expect um, for God to use. And in your outline there, I put Galatians 1, 13, and 15 that goes with this idea that, uh, where Paul talks about how far out he was. He says, you've been told how I used to live when I was devoted to the Jewish religion, how I persecuted without mercy the church of God and did my best to destroy it. Then in, in 15 he says, but God in his grace uh, or kindness, which is mercy, chose me even before I was born and called me to serve him. So before Paul has this encounter with Jesus, he went from city to city. He was having the Christians arrested, thrown in jail, uh, was glad when they were uh, murdered. He was obsessed with destroying them. You know, it didn't matter if a father was being torn away from his children or a mother was being taken off to prison. He had no mercy. And he says that God in his kindness and his mercy chose me even before I was born. So even before Paul had done anything that uh, uh, would eliminate him, God chose him because of his mercy. So your past does not preclude your future. Everyone messes up, some of us more than others, but God knew in advance what Paul's sins would be, and yet in his mercy he still chose him, he still used him. And the same is true for us. God has a calling on your life. He created you. He loves you. And he wants to use you because he's a merciful God. And this is a little one of Rick Warren's phrases I want you to write down if you've got room on your paper there. But every saint has a past and every sinner has a future. Every saint has a past. There's no perfect people We've all sinned, and every sinner has a future. God isn't limited by our past in any way. You have a future. Uh, one of my college professors put it this way, and it's always stuck with me. He said, God shoots straight with crooked sticks. <laughs> God shoots straight with crooked sticks. It's God's ability to accomplish what he wants to accomplish. doesn't depend on us and our perfection, uh, He is able to hit the mark every time. He shoots perfectly. And our part is to just say, here I am, Lord, and trust him with the results. So that's the starting point. Never forget you're useful to God because God is a merciful God. And then number two, remember it's not about me. And it's not about you either. (laughs) Remember, it's not about me. It's not about you. It's about Jesus. In 2 Corinthians 4, verse 5, Paul gives us this third, uh, second key. He says, you see, we don't go about preaching ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord, and we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. And he uses this phrase, for Jesus' sake, twice in this, this chapter. He's saying, it's not about me, it's all about Jesus'. And Paul's crystal clear about this. I, I do it for Jesus' sake and not for me. And you're called to serve for Jesus' sake. You know, if God uh, did not use anybody, uh, fla- any flawed people to accomplish his purposes, the gospel would have not been spread past the first person. But he uses, his, he uses all people for Jesus' sake so that Jesus' suffering doesn't go in vain. Uh, God chooses to use us and use us in ways beyond our abilities and uh, beyond anything that we could ask or imagine to make Jesus' name known for Jesus' sake, to glorify Jesus. And then number three, um, Paul talks about this in this passage. Uh, If you want to be used by God, you have to allow God to use your pain to help others. And that kind of flows right out of the last point to let God use your pain to help others. And, you know, I've seen so many stories of uh, broken people and how God turns their lives around and then he uses them in amazing, powerful ways. And, you know, uh, God can use the things in our past that we're ashamed of, uh, things, problems that we've had in our life, uh, pain in our life, to help other people. Uh, who are going through the same kinds of hurts and the same kinds of things. And, you know, Paul went through enormous pain. I mean, he was beaten, he was stoned, he was shipwrecked, he went without food, he and just endured incredible suffering to share the message that there is life in Jesus Christ. And... Uh, Here's his perspective, in, in again, in chapter 4 of uh, 2 Corinthians. He says, we're often troubled, but we're not crushed, sometimes in doubt, but never in despair. There are many enemies, but we are never without a friend. And though badly hurt at times, we are not destroyed. So uh, then later in the verse, verse 15, he says, for all of this, and he's talking about all of his sufferings, is for your benefit. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there'll be great thanksgiving, and God will receive more and more glory. So he says, all of this, all of my suffering, it's for your benefit. And that's redemptive suffering. There's three kinds of suffering in the world. The first is um, the suffering that we bring on ourselves. Has anybody ever brought suffering on yourself? (laughs) We have all these problems because uh, of poor decisions or things that we've said or done and just uh, bad decisions. So a lot of the suffering that we uh, find ourselves in is just because of poor judgment. That's one kind of suffering. Then the second kind of suffering is innocent suffering, where someone else does something to hurt you. And you you know you didn't ask for it, you didn't want it, you may have been... Uh, molested or sexually abused in some way, you may have been abandoned or rejected. Uh, all of us have suffered some kind of a, uh, in some kind of way innocently at the hands of other people. I mean, you've been talked about, or put down, or ripped off, or scammed. Anybody answer the phone? At there, no. Um, you know, we just we're all hurt by the sins of others, and that's innocent suffering. But the highest form of suffering is redemptive suffering. When you choose to put up with a loss or uh, an offense or a problem in order to help other people, in order to bless others. And when Jesus was hanging on the cross, he was doing that as that was redemptive suffering. He was suffering for the world. He was dying for our sins and suffering for the benefit of others. And, you know, God can use all of these different kinds of suffering, sufferings, even the ones that we bring on ourselves, redemptively, if we will allow God to do that and trust him. And then Paul's last secret is to stay focused on eternity. Um, the more we understand about eternity, the less you're bothered by the things that happen here on earth. In Second Corinthians four seventeen. Paul says, And this small and temporary trouble we suffer will bring us tremendous and eternal glory, much greater than the trouble. And so he says these little troubles, like being shipwrecked and beaten (laughs) five times, and and all these small, these are just small problems compared to eternity. And we, uh, you can put all the kinds of stuff uh, on this planet aside if you know what's going to happen in eternity. These little troubles are getting us ready for an eternal glory that makes the troubles that we have right now seem like nothing. In verse 18, he says, So we don't look at the troubles we see right now. Rather, we look forward to what we have not seen. For the troubles we see will soon be over, but the joys to come last forever. God isn't limited by our past. He's not limited by our weaknesses or company comings. His eternal less- blessings aren't limited either. And what he's looking for is our availability. And when we are willing to step forward and say, here I am, whether it's something behind the scenes like prayer or up front leading worship or serving out in the community or as a missionary, you know, on a mission field, God wants to give your life meaning and purpose by giving you work of eternal significance let's pray dear God we, uh, we thank you for your mercy and I thank you for the mercy that you've shown everyone here in these seats that we all recognize it that uh, when we were lost you found us you offered us life in Christ you hung on the cross for us all of this is God's mercy we thank you we thank you for a new day your mercies are new every morning and uh, we ask that as we go through our day and through our life you would lead us you would help us to trust you and be useful to you because we want your son jesus to be glorified and we pray all these things in jesus name amen